This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's allowed, but um, probably you cannot fill a, a, a full football show with um, celebrating seven goals. So um, maybe we should do it once, but um, I understand 100%. It, so we, we will analyze it as well. We will now not go home and, uh, and have a few beer on, the, on that result because we, ha- we have to work with this result. But the good thing is we can work with it because um, there were mistakes we usually don't make. But if we, if we make them, we will struggle against everybody. But we usually don't do it. And so we have just to, 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 to continue the work. We have now, that's the only full week we have, I think, until October Forever. 2035 or whatever. So uh, we will use that for recovery and then um, for, for, for training to work because, you know, our next, uh, next opponent, and that will be <laughs> a tough one as well. Probably a slightly different game, but tough for other reasons. And um, so we have to make sure that we are there prepared as well. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Jurgen Klopp speaking after that humdinger of a game from Anfield at the weekend. Phew! What an opening to the Premier League weekend. And we only, we've, we, oh, we've only had six games. We've only had six games. Uh, it's me, Ross. This is Off The Ball. Uh, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. Also, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. On YouTube, search out TFIF on video. That's our channel. Give us a subscribe. So much to talk about. We've got Liverpool fan. We've got a Leeds fan in the house. We've also got... a. He likes everything. To Berlin. <laughs> We've also got a he likes everything, Cam Roslard in. Hello, Cam. Hello. Hi, Ross. Our resident Leeds fan is Arvin Sidhu. Hello, everyone. It's so good to be back, just like how it feels like for Leeds. So good to be back. And one of very many Liverpool fans we have on the show, Craig Wilkie is here. Hello, Craig. Hi, Ross. Hi, everyone. Glad to be speaking to Arvin this morning. <laughs> Let's start with that humdinger of a game from Anfield. Uh, Liverpool 4, Leeds United 3. Uh, we're going to talk about Leeds first. So, Arvin, after a 16-year absence, your boys, on, on the whole, uh, given themselves, given a good account on themselves, haven't they? An incredible account. I mean, like you said, 16 years away, it, it, it was all the Yorkshire blood and thunder, really. Uh, it was a loud return back. The club has been very vocal about coming back. Um, really, I mean, let, let's think about this. How many teams have come back three times when going behind at Anfield? Very, very few. If well, how, any, many teams, how many teams have not crumbled when Salah puts one past ex- you in the first few minutes, right? Exactly, exactly. A lot of talk about Leeds last season was they, they blew everyone away from a statistical point of view. Were they, able, were they going to be able to do it in the Premier League? On the first game, and we're only talking because it's only been one game, but on the first game in itself, you looked at it on, 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 the, on the day, possession-wise, they had more possession than Liverpool. They had most tackles in Anfield for the last three seasons, 33 tackles. Um, and surprisingly, Leeds have got a very good uh, opening day record. This was their first ever loss on an opening day. But I thought they were great on the day, really. Um, obviously, there was some, um, some naivety in the way that they played. There were some mistakes, which yeah, is very yeah, normal yeah. For, for, for a promoted team. But really, Luke Ailing defended so well. 
Stuart Dallas um, kept Salah quiet for quite a bit, even though Salah got the hat trick. Matthias Click was a standing; he was everywhere. Jack Harrison, Jack Harrison is developing as a player, player. exactly. In and all, in itself, um, I would say on the day Liverpool got the three points and and they won the three points. But you have to say that Leeds won a lot of hearts on the day. So yeah. Liverpool for the points. Leads for the hearts of the day. Marcelo Bielsa's side uh, looks fearless and, and it looks good for the season. I'm going to get a Liverpool point of view straight away now from Craig Wilkie. I, it, it was a tough test from Leeds' point of view. From a Liverpool fan point of view, a uh, home match against a newly promoted side, yeah, have it any day. I know you won. I know, I know you got the three points in the end. But... A few question marks raised about that Liverpool performance, Craig. Oh, more than a few, I would suggest. And as you say, a, a game against a newly promoted side, but not just any newly promoted side. And I, I think before we start with Liverpool, just tough to echo what Arvin said and give so much credit to Leeds. The thing that really struck me, and I, I haven't seen that much of Leeds in the last couple of seasons in, in the Championship, but we know they come up with this reputation of the intensity and the way Bielsa likes to play. But to watch it like that, you know, going away the first game of the season against the defending champions and to play with that level of intensity and keep it up for 90 minutes and put Liverpool on the back foot for much of the game. You know, Liverpool really struggled to impose their own, own authority throughout that game. Just have to give so much credit to Leeds and I think they're going to be a joy to watch throughout this season. Yeah. A little bit naivety at the back, perhaps, as, as was mentioned before. But when it comes to Liverpool performance, not, not a huge surprise in some respects because if we look at some of how Liverpool have played post the restart last season, even pre-season now, and I know there's not, sometimes you can't read too much in the pre-season games, but then that game as well, what it suggests to me overall is that that squad needs strengthening. It's, well, it's still... It's still let, let, let me just jump in here, really Craig. Let me just jump in money. here and, and say that I, I thought when Van Dijk conceded that goal to Patrick Bamford, my immediate thought was nonchalance. He, he yeah, tried yeah. to swagger and he got caught out big time. Which, forgivable, because you're champions. It's the first game of this new season, right? Well, but it's things like that you have to eradicate. Do you know what I mean? It is. I, well, well, let's take Van Dyke for a start. And I'm not going to sit here and criticise Van Dyke because he's been arguably the most influential player at Anfield over the last couple of seasons. He's probably been the one that's really transformed us into title contenders and all the medley title winners. But you're right. I mean, I think everybody says that it's harder to retain the league than it is to win it. And this Liverpool squad is about to discover that. And I would feel better going into the season if that squad had a little bit of reinforcement. Yeah. Thiago's name, name has been mentioned a lot over the summer. I think he would be a great addition. I also think we need a little bit of cover up front because magnificent though that front three is, if one of them were to get injured for any period of time, then Liverpool could struggle a little bit. So... I, I hope that there, I mean, there's still a bit of time left in the transfer window. I hope that there's still some moves to be made and that we'll, that we'll see. But I think it's a very open league, potentially, that we're looking at this season. So yeah. very exciting times. Yeah, yeah. For first game of the season, you can maybe forgive uh, Firmino's rustiness because he looked rusty. But Cam Raslan, let's get your point of view on, on first the newcomers' leads. Are they your EPL team of the season? As a lifelong fan of Leeds United for the last 20 minutes, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I never imagined that I would say, you know, welcome back Leeds United and, uh, and I really hope for the best. I think Bielsa will be very upset by that scoreline because 
One, there were two really pointless penalties given away. They're utterly pointless. Four disallowed goals to boot as well. What a game. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, that was at least a point lost. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool, as Craig said, you know, winning back-to-back Premier League victories is, is very rare. And this is a team now that's won in Liverpool. They've won everything. So uh, they've Champions League and, and the league. Both very emotional victories. I don't know if they've got the steam in them for, for another season. I thought that really Liverpool were there for the taking. And I, I, in the off-season, I've become very obsessed by Jack Charlton's yeah. Ireland team. And, and Arvin's going to know Leeds a lot better than me. But Jack Charlton's old team, Leeds. It was, uh, you know, Bielsa's just merely refined the, the pressing game. Oh, it's made the them look a lot the better. Come on. <laughs> a lot better, but it, it requires so much energy. Yeah, and, yeah. And I don't know if a whole season they're going to keep that energy up. I always <sighs> used to think, does Bielsa have a bucket near him? Because he used to vomit at games. <laughs> but but Arvin <laughs> Sidhu, um, it was a Rodrigo mistake in the end. Uh, he will, well, if he learns the fact that if you leave your leg out in the Premier League, people will take advantage. And if lessons were learned from that, then it's, it's well worth not getting that point because the team have kind of matured with that defeat, if you like. They have. Um, it was a real striker's tackle. I mean, um, Rodrigo is Leeds' record signing. He's come in to help Patrick Bamford. Uh, and, and interestingly, like what, uh, what Craig said, um, Jamie Carragher came out and did say that Virgil van Dijk showed a lot of arrogance in that move because it, it seemed like he, he felt like, uh, okay, I could just clear this. Bamford's yeah. not going to get it at the end the of it. the with the outside of his foot. Exactly. So, so, what are you trying to do? Exactly. So that, there has been a little bit of arrogance that's crept in on, on that piece of play. And surprisingly, I was looking at the stats since 2018-19. Out of the big six, Virgil van Dijk has made the most errors leading to goals from opposition. So he hasn't, he, he's been great for Liverpool, don't get me wrong. He was really that piece that helped them get across the yeah, line yeah, from yeah. a Champions League and a league perspective. But we've started seeing some complacency in, in his play, which needs to, which I'm sure Klopp will look to eradicate. But back to what you were saying, um, Bielsa, interestingly enough, last season was 46 games. They were able to do it. The Premier League is obviously a totally different different level, a different ball game. But they will last. They just need a couple more reinforcements. And on the day itself, we have to keep in mind that centre-back partnership of Leeds was the first time that they've ever played together. Robin Koch, yeah. unfortunately, gave away a penalty. And Pascal Struit is a 21-year-old boy. They were missing their captain, Liam Cooper. So, Bielsa... The goalie. Like, like what? The goalie there might be a problem in the goalkeeper position. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah, Kiko if, Kass- if Kassia Kassia is not trusted, that, that kid yeah. is, what, 21, 22? Tw- 21, 22, under 21, French international. Kiko Casillas is just because he's had a, a bit of a racist issue in the championship with Bielsa. Seems to have not forgiven him for. He needs him to win his, his way back into the team. But really, um, with Leeds in itself, you're right. Bielsa wasn't happy in the game. He said that we took our chances, three shots, three goals, but we could have imposed ourselves more. So that kind of shows you the standards that he sets for his teams. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, t- it was arguably the toughest test Bielsa and Leeds have, uh, could have faced at the start season. And it's, it's all come out hugely positive for the Yorkshire side. Just want to add, Craig Wilkie, Trent Alexander-Arnold had a game he would probably like to forget i was this close literally this close from buying him for my fantasy football team i thought no i'm gonna stick with robertson 
thankfully. This might, this might prompt the move into midfield that a lot of people have spoken about for mm. Alexander-Arnold. Because defensively, he is still suspect. I mean, magnificent footballer going forward. Awareness sprays the ball around. But Bielsa looked at it and thought, defensively, he's a weak link for Liverpool and exploited that to some extent. All right. Well, good win for, for Liverpool. A hat-trick for, for Mo Salah. He's now, what, scored on the opening day for I don't know how many times now. Yeah, one season wonder. Right, but that was the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, well done, Liverpool. Well done, Leeds as well. Don't say that to a team who normally who loses normally. But uh, yeah, well done, Leeds. Uh, not so well done for the other promoted side, Fulham at Craven Cottage. In fact, this was the game that kicked off the new season, the 7.30pm kickoff. Fulham nil, Arsenal 3. Uh, we start with Arsenal first. Debutants, Gabriel and Willian impressed. Uh, Arsenal looked good, cameras, didn't they? I've always, I've been a big fan of Willian for a long time, and, and <laughs> eyebrows were right. No, I have. I think he's a great player. Uh, eyebrows have been raised by the purchase of him. Maybe he's a bit long and tooth, a bit old, but he really gives a new dimension. What I liked about this Arsenal victory was that two of the goals were really scrappy goals. One was a set piece. Only one of the goals, the final goal, was a really kind of Arsenal goal. Yeah. Of a sweeping movement forward and a beautifully taken. So uh, what? Finish. This shows a new, more solid Arsenal to you, does it? Maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, prepared to play ugly, uh, not having to walk the ball into the back of the goal, and a, a, an extra dimension, I think, with Willian. Um, for Fulham, Arvin, uh, it's it's sad. I mean, tough one. The last time they came up, a lot's been made that they spent a hundred million. Went straight back down. Bob was saying on Friday's show, should have, should have got advice from us. We would have told you not to spend $100 million. <laughs> So this time, Scott Parker has actually started with 10 of the 11 who played in the championship playoff for him. Um, until Mitrovic came on with 25 minutes left, they didn't look like anything, did they, Arvin? No, they didn't. Um, the interesting, interesting fact is the last time they were in the Premier League, they had the worst defensive record when they went down. And on this showing in itself, um, doesn't seem like not, nothing much is going to change from that aspect. Michael Hector at the back, the Jamaican, is their biggest player. You would expect a little bit more aerial presence from him. He completely lost his marker when it came to... He was to, lucky not to, to get Gabriel. two yellows, wasn't he? Exactly, exactly. Gabriel um, scored from, from that piece of piece of work. Tim Marim, the American, is not much of an upgrade, but he was yeah. better than, than Michael Hector on the day itself. But you're right, to, to the point that you made, without Mitrovic, um, they really struggle because the dimension that he brings, and I'm struggling to say this because because Mitrovic, Premier League player, Championship player, but <laughs> Mitrovic in itself, the dimension that he brings to that squad is so different because Abu Bakr, um, Bobby Reid, um, they, they're just not the players that, that can prove that, provide that outlet that Fulham need. So really, um, but the one very concerning thing about this is I was reading Scott Parker's post-match interview and he came out and said, this year we're going to be losing a lot of matches. We're going to lose two or three on the bounce. We can't let that cripple you. And I'm thinking... As players, do you really want your manager to come on and say yeah, such things like yeah. that? I, I get that you've, you've lost to Arsenal, fair enough, and it's not been a good day. Well, maybe but, it's the real approach. Or, yeah, I but I mean, come on. I mean, uh, you've got to not come on and say that we're going to lose more than we win. Naturally, we all know that's going to happen, but you don't come out and say <laughs> and give that defeatist <laughs> attitude. So I was really surprised with Scott Parker on that one. But yeah, they, they look like they're going to be in for a bit of a struggle, really, Ross. Coming back to, to the Arsenal, Craig Wilkie, um, 
New look Arsenal. I mean, last season, uh, El Nani and Zaka looked like their seasons were over. And they actually had really good outings in midfield for Arsenal. Yeah, they did. I think you've got to give so much credit to Arteta. I mean, Arsenal fans have had a tough few years, let's be honest. And they must be feeling more optimistic now than they have for a long, long time. And when he came in, I think there's a lot of excitement around the club. You know, obviously, he's a, he's a former hero. He understands the club, all of that, that stuff. But still, and, and had a big reputation as a coach, but still unproven at that level to be given, you know, a top job like that and really impose his own ideas. He's done that so far. I think the way they finished the season last season was, was very impressive. I mean, okay, they still missed out on the, on the upper reaches of the league, but they, they won a trophy and you could see that those players are playing with a lot more confidence. I think he spent very wisely in the transfer market. I, I agree with Cam. I think Willian is a fantastic addition to that squad. And in fact, when Arteta signed him, he made it very clear that it wasn't just about what he would bring on the field, as we saw on Saturday, but just having a, an experienced player like that around the squad to help guide some of the younger players, set some of the standards that Arteta wants, wants to have about the place. So I think you can see the type of character he's bringing in as well. And that's, that's a question mark we maybe had against Arsenal in the last few seasons. You know, do they have some of that grit? Do they have some of that fight? Hard to say in a game where they relatively strolled against Fulham, but this Arsenal looked like a different proposition this year, and I think teams will find them a lot, lot harder to play against than maybe they have for a while. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I think Fulham uh, signs that it's going to be another leaky season at the back for them. Cam Raslan, will, uh, where will Arsenal finish this season for you? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, Liverpool, a lot of people, I think, are sort of penciling in Liverpool as the, uh, the champions. But I think that if they do, it'll be by default. Uh, we haven't seen City yet. Arsenal could possibly challenge. And, oh, yeah, Arsenal's Arsenal. I mean, God knows. It could Definitely be, top it, six for you. Uh, okay, top six. I'll go top six, but I'm not going to go into the four. Top four. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. That would be prog- progression for, for Mikel Arteta yeah. and Arsenal. All right, we're off for our first break. You stay tuned. More of the EPL opening weekend right after this. For this season, off and running, with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty, and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Cam Roslan, Arvin Sidhu and Craig Wilkie on this lovely Monday evening talking football. Oh, isn't it great to have the EPL back? I know, just the six games, and you know what? I watched every single one of them. Let's talk about West Ham versus Newcastle. This one, I, I, I have to admit, I nodded off a little bit here and there. Because this was a late burner, this one. Uh, the Magpies have won their opening game for the first time since 2012. Craig Wilkie, tell us about this new look Newcastle side. Uh, Steve Bruce was, was singing the praises of owner Mike a- Ashley, flexing his, his muscles, apparently, in inverted commas, in the transfer market. <laughs> don't hear that phrase very often. No, that's true. You don't. I, I think Mike Ashley should be singing the praises of Steve Bruce. I, I, can, I can remember conversations we've had over last season where I think Steve Bruce deserved a lot of credit. I'm not sure he's been given as much credit as he really has deserved for the job that he's done so far in Newcastle. And of course, it's been a, maybe a slightly turbulent few months with all the speculation over the potential takeover. Would he keep his job in those circumstances? And that whole thing has dragged on. And 
made planning for the new season a little bit difficult. But Bruce has just got on with the job quietly. I think he's made, again, a bit like what we were saying with Arteta, he's made some very astute signings. Mm. I mean, Wilson coming in and getting the goal, that, that's a proven Premier League player who's going to get your goals at that level. Maybe something that Newcastle have lacked a little bit over recent seasons. I think there's been some other additions as well. I know he didn't, didn't play Fraser the weekend, on a free. That's going to come exactly. good. Ryan Fraser, I think, you know, great addition to the squad. So, yeah, Newcastle fans, maybe not quite the dream that they were hoping of if they were going to get, you know, huge investment from, from the Middle East, but definitely a very good start to the season. And they'll be hoping that they can really kick on from here and actually, actually start to progress because it feels like Newcastle has been a bit of a club in limbo for a while now. You know, just, just treading water, too good to go down, but not really good enough to, to push on and, and get a bit higher up the league. But this season, again, what we're saying with it potentially being quite an open league, let, let's see how far Newcastle can go. And I think Steve Bruce... He's already got them organised last season, but if he can add a little bit more attacking threat, which on paper at least he's got now, it could be quite exciting for Newcastle fans. Well, that's it. I mean, Newcastle had the fourth worst goal-scoring record in the top flight last term. Um, we saw how Callum Wilson linked uh, with Andy Carroll. In fact, it was Andy Carroll's flick on, Arvin, that Callum Wilson scored at the near post. Uh, there were promising signs. Uh, front two playing together, he could be a crowd favourite here, Callum Wilson. He will be. And besides that, uh, Jeff Hendrick, I thought, yeah. did well as well. Yeah. He's come on a free from Burnley. Uh, Jamal Lewis had the most touches of all the Newcastle players. He's got he's, he, did, he did really good teasing crosses on the day itself. So you're right. There, there, there seems to be a different feel to this Newcastle team compared to the one that we saw post, um, post-COVID when they came back. And interestingly enough, um, I, I was like you, I, I watched this. It was really not the game for a purist. How do you follow the Liverpool and, and Leeds game exactly. to go to this? But, yeah. but, but, New, but Newcastle, Newcastle played better on the day and, and yeah. they fully deserved the three points. But I, I'm really concerned about, about West Ham. That's why I've put David Moyes as my first pick for manager to be sacked because they've got all sorts of problems. Yeah, um, Cam, let, let, let's, look, let's look a little bit at West Ham. West Ham have been bottom of the Premier League after the opening round of fixtures in the last three seasons. Fulham it actually has fared worse than West Ham this weekend, so West Ham won't be bottom. But if you look at the way they played, if you look at the business they've done, Suchek is the only one. They, they've made that loan signing permanent. Nothing else has come in. They, they looked pretty bad, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, there are going to be winners and losers with these empty stadiums in the COVID-locked uh, bubbles. I was really looking forward to this match, actually, and I disagree with Arvin. This was the match for the football players. <laughs> that, that Liverpool leads circus was, you know, that was just well, fun. When, when it's 3 a.m., it's a bit of a push. <laughs> well, exactly. You know, dedication. But the, uh, I thought that the empty stadium might actually suit West Ham because they wouldn't have their fans on their backs, yeah, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is one of the reasons they've really been suffering. And yet, they blew it. And, you know, Newcastle, Callum Wilson is not a big-time goal scorer. I, I think his highest has ever been 14 in a season, which is very useful, but it's not. There's going to be a lot of reliance on that. But West Ham really didn't have too much to offer. Didn't they hit the crossbar a couple of times? Mm, um, yeah, two, two, yeah, two so, times they hit the crossbar. I mean, a, a lot of fuss has been made about Grady Diagana sold to, to West Brom, which doesn't help the situation. But, uh, I mean, when you've got Andre Yamalenko, you've got Felipe Anderson, you've got Sebastian Haller on the bench, Craig Wilkie, 
surely a manager can make use of those tools, no? It, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's only one game. I don't want to point fingers, but maybe David Moyes could do a bit more. Well, yeah, as you say, there's, there's no question of there's talent in that squad. So given that's the case, you've got to assess that they're underperforming and therefore you have to look at the manager and what he's getting out of them on, on the weekend and how much, you know, the work that's been done on the training grounds, whether that's coming to fruition, it hasn't yeah. really looked like it so far from Moyes. It was interesting, actually, I think last week there was a survey in The Athletic, which was basically taking the pulse of all the fans ahead of the new season about how optimistic they were. And West Ham fans were by far the lowest on the optimism index. It was shocking, something like less than 10% of the fans felt optimistic going into the new season. And I think that just tells you everything that's going on around the club. It's not just about the performances on the field. We know that they don't like the new stadium. We know that they're unhappy with the board and the ownership and some of the decisions that are being made at that level. So that whole atmosphere around the club, I know it's easy to say, well, players are professional. You go out on a Saturday afternoon and none of that should affect you. But when there's those type of clouds hanging over a football club, it does bring everybody down. And you can see that at West Ham. And I think it's yeah. even affected David Moyes as well. You know, there's just, it feels like there's a lot of weight on everybody's shoulders around there. And that, that's going to make for a long, hard season, potentially. You also get the feeling that the majority of the West Ham fans don't want David Moyes there anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't what, think he was a hugely popular appointment. No, no, I mean, I, what? Pochettino? What? I mean, what? Well, I mean, it's not the West Ham preferred style in inverted commas. I don't know what, what that is. How do you go from three? What is this? How do you go from Pellegrini to David Moyes? You well, got to look at the, the, how they've substituted it. And yeah, you're trying to be Michael, so progressive and then suddenly you've gone back to this dour, dour man. I mean, I understand Moyes is trying to get uh, the signing of Tarkovsky from, Burn, uh, from Burnley. He's desperately yeah, trying to bring in reinforcements at the back. But yeah, I mean, West Ham now are, are the first club to lose their opening match for the fifth consecutive season. It is a record in the Premier League. Let's leave off West Ham and Newcastle now. Talk about Crystal Palace and Southampton. Um, it's all about one to way Wilfred Zaha here, Arvind Sidhu. Every season, it starts with <laughs> one to way Zaha. But you've got to take your hat off to him. I mean, yeah, he obviously wants away. His agent's working double hard. But on the pitch, he shows nothing but 100% commitment. And he was the only bright spark for me for Crystal Palace in this game. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, is, 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 is such an opportune time that, that potential moves might happen that he is actually playing so well? Yeah, yeah, uh, he, he was constantly looking for the ball. I, I thought he was unlucky not to make it 2-0. He had a marginal call offside for one of the goals. Uh, but yeah, uh, the concern is for Crystal Palace is that uh, what do you do with Wilfred Zaha? Roy Hudson has actually come out and publicly said, that the player himself is hoping for a bigger move. So when, when your manager comes out and says that about your star player, uh, there are genuine concerns that could he be off before the October 5th closure of the window. But besides that, I mean, with Palace, I mean, they're resilient. They, they were resistant on the day in itself. Interestingly enough, he Michi Batshuayi has come back for a second loan with them. He was on the bench. But they've got a gentleman that they've purchased from QPR who really, really shown really brightly last right, season. He when he came Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Eberichi as a. The only uh, thing, can I just jump in here? The only thing is, he kind of occupies the same area as Zaha. So, so was that makes he you bought wonder. as a replacement? 
he was because the, the boy uh, Abereji Eze from 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 QPR is he's Anglo-Nigerian. He had 14 goals for QPR last season. He is a real talent, and he's someone who can really really take it and and run that channel the way that Zaha does, and even cut inside as well. Yeah, so it good. makes you wonder. Yeah. But 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 you don't want that as Crystal Palace. You want to have Zaha, and you want to have Abereji yeah. Eze. Yeah. You want to complement. You don't want to get one out and one in. So really, like like what um what Craig said earlier, another team like Newcastle where seems to just be treading their water depending on the experience of Roy Hodgson to keep them up, but really not going anywhere else other than that. Okay, well, we have to give credit to uh, Vincente Guayata who, in the Crystal Palace goal because superb save to keep up Che Adams. And in the last minute, you thought Danny Ings maybe uh, got a point for Southampton. But Craig Wilkie, overall, will Ralph Hassenhuttl, he got, what, the third highest away points of last season, only behind Liverpool and Man City. He'll be disappointed with not coming away from Selhurst Park with at least a point. Yeah, I think so. It was a slightly strange game. I mean, Southampton had a lot of possession, but for me, didn't necessarily do all that much with it. You look at, you've got someone like Danny Ings up front, and how much did they really create for him? On the day, you know, I think he was left a little bit isolated at times. So I think in terms of that creativity in the final third, that's probably the the slight concern for Hassan Huddle after this. But for me, the talking point was was VAR, which you know I'm no fan of. Um, but this was the only incident really that we had over the course of the weekend where the red card got reviewed and ultimately revoked. Which I think it was a bit of a fifty fifty decision. It was a clumsy challenge, but 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 I think it's, it was, it's, it's a sign right. that VAR is on the right road here with this. Yeah. Well. The, the most positive aspect was the fact that it was the referee himself who went over to the pitch side monitor, had a look at it again, and then decided for himself. And actually was brave enough to change his own decision. So I yeah. think credit yeah. to, I think it was John Moss. Yeah. Credit to him for that. But rather than just taking whatever recommendation is coming in as earpiece from the, from the VAR studio, I think it was much better to see the referee go and have a look at it for himself and then make that decision. So I'm still not a fan of VAR, but at least it looks a little bit better implemented like that than what we saw through much of last season. Well, that's the new directive this season for, for VAR. Referees are encouraged to use the pitch side monitors, especially for like red cards, uh, own goals, etc., etc. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how the season goes. We'll offer another break. Then you stay tuned. We're coming back. We're talking about money bags, Everton next. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Back talking about the first weekend of the brand new Premier League season. Barely five weeks since the last of, uh, end of the last season. It's crazy stuff, but then it is 2020. It's me, Ross. This is Off the Ball, uh, along with my special guests, Cam Rauslan, Craig Wilkie, and Arvin Sidhu. You can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We're looking at the Sunday games now. Uh, let's look at Spurs nil, Everton 1, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, rose high to head in uh, the only goal of the game. Uh, we're going to look at Everton here, Cam Raslan. Did you, did you like what you saw? I mean, the new players all basically played. It was an entirely new Everton midfield. Did you like what you saw? Very much so. 
Um, just as I was, uh, it's very strange for me to say, you know, I'm really looking forward to watching Leeds United. It's very strange for me to think, I'm really looking forward to watching this Everton. <laughs> um, I thought they were very good. Angelotti, of course, is a very experienced um, manager. And James Rodriguez, little cameos there. Um, a bit of an over-reliance on their goalkeeper. Mm. But if, if Tottenham Hotspur, of all teams, cannot unpick that defence, then... Perhaps they're really in for a fighting chance to, to um, you know, I mean, it's very early days, top four. I thought they were very good. And um, uh, in contrast to Spurs, who were not terrible, that scoreline could have been 4-3 the other way. Yeah, at yeah. The end of the- it was an exciting match. It, it, uh, yeah, I mean, all the, I, I thought all the Everton new signings did, did really well. Uh, Allen, uh, Dekure in midfield. But Arvin, it, it was James Rodriguez who was standout, I mean, crisp passing. He, he did stand out for all the right reasons because you, you, you look at him and you go, all right, he's a Galactico. He came from Real Madrid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, exactly. I thought it was very bold for, for Carlo to kind of throw all three of them exactly. and stuff them. Yeah. It was very bold of him. But, but a credit way is due that they all performed on the day. James really classy touches, clever passes. He's just quality overall. He very created impact. five opportunities for his exactly. teammates. Exactly. And I believe that was the most in the Premier League uh, debut since 2018. So he's, he's, he's clearly pulling up stacks there. But Allen was really, for me, the, the jigsaw that they really needed. Because yeah. what Allen does for that team was basically snapping at heels, pressing possession, winning back the ball. Uh, they haven't had such a player like that since Idris Ganagoya left to PSG. So bringing in Allen, I thought, was a real masterstroke because he provides that that, 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 that security at the back that allows Hamas, the likes of Hamas to go forward and even when you've got Sigurdsson coming off the bench. So really, with, with Everton here, I, I thought they were more of a team, uh, a team that had more of an identity compared to, to what Moreno, Moreno is trying to do at, at, at Spurs, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin, for me, has been the most improved player under Carlo Ancelotti. He really looks like, and he's been given the number nine shirt, yeah. and he's justifying. He's justifying it. Yeah. That header, Duncan Ferguson would have been proud of the bench for that one. Well, Bob Letchford, Duncan Ferguson, you name it. They, they, yeah. I mean, all right. Um, let's look at Spurs now. I, every time I, I talk about Spurs, I just think of their all or nothing Amazon documentary. Uh, Jose, first of all, blame the fact that the free kick was taken from the wrong position, I think maybe a couple of meters at the most. And then I was reading uh, this morning that uh, he, he just slated the pressing. He specified frontline pressing. So you're only looking at the likes of Harry Kane, Son and all that, uh, and Moura. Uh, apparently, he was not happy with the way they were pressing, Craig Wilkie. Um, Jose's got his work cut out here. He does. But he's lost none of his talent for complaining. We have to give him that. Um, but I think, you know, again, we, we compare those two managers, right? And Ancelotti has come in and he's, he's that big name. He's attracted players that want to come in and play for him. You know, a Galactico like Rodriguez. And Mourinho, by contrast, again, you, you think he's, he's still a big name, still got some pulling power. But so far, we haven't really seen that manifest itself in the transfer market. He's bought in a couple of decent signings. I think Dorothy is going to be a, a good signing at, at right back. Um, but there's still, there's still something amiss at Spurs. There's still some, they're, they're a solid enough team you would expect Mourinho to set his side out like that. But when you look at the quality that he has up front, you, know, you look at the likes of Kane, you look at Son, and 
they don't create as many chances as you would expect. Deli Alley, you know, for a team that has all that creative talent. And you just wonder, you know, Mourinho's developed this reputation that maybe he shackles his players a little bit too much. He doesn't let them go out and express themselves as much as perhaps they would wish to. And you just feel like they're, they're a little bit too tight on the reins. And, they're, and I, I just don't see that much progression for Spurs this season, in all honesty. And, and Mourinho's going to come under a lot of pressure quickly because you know, Spurs, they spent a lot of money on that stadium. So they're going to be suffering badly for the fact that there's no fans in there and filling the corporate boxes and the corporate seats, which is what they need to, to recoup some of that investment that they've made. Mm. So whether there's much money available to go out and spend you know, 50, 60 million on a player... Hard, hard to see right now. So he's going to have to make do with much of what he has for the moment. And he's been there long enough now to start to, to make a bit of an impact. But so far, it's been a little bit underwhelming, I think, for Spurs. Well, it's generally Jose's second season where all the success comes along. So maybe, Cam Rousland, maybe the way to raise cash for Spurs would be to do another season, a second season of, of all or nothing. <laughs> I haven't I haven't watched it. I've only seen a few clips. The one where Mourinho switches off the TV in disgust because... Yeah, it, it basically goes on like that all the way through. It's all about Jose, basically. Yeah, I mean, he's the last person you want to be stuck in a lift with. Uh, <laughs> and and what, I think... What, what are your impressions? Do, do you think Spurs will suffer this season? Yes. It's Jose Mourinho. But then, uh, but then the Jose second season success, everywhere he's gone. Even at United, he came second. That was his best season. You mentioned earlier about not playing the West Ham style and pe- people being upset. There is a culture at Spurs about how games should be played. How, Jose Mourinho is the opposite of that. This is a culture that's been going for 30 years, 30, 40 years. And I just, it's just not a happy fit. I mean, George Graham, I remember when George Graham was mm-hmm. uh, the manager there. It's, he didn't last that long. It's, it's not going to be a happy time. Okay. Well, Spurs nil, Everton won. It could be a great season ahead for, for Everton. Uh, they still, though, maybe are, are short of that number nine uh, uh, up front. Uh, all right. West Brom nil, Leicester three. Another newcomer struggling. Um, Let's start with, with Leicester first here, Arvin. Uh, uh, debutant Timothy Castagna scored. Jamie Vardy was his Jamie Vardy self. Uh, scored a second-half brace of penalties. Leicester were expected to win this. They did win it. The good news is they got people like Madison back on the pitch. And, and they actually look all right. They don't, they don't look too different from last season. Yeah, they don't. Uh, West Brom didn't really didn't really pose much much threat to them, and that's that's quite disappointing. Because I looked, I watched a lot of West Brom last season, and you've got Grady Dangana on one side, and you've got Matthias Pereira on one side. I thought they would have really taken it to Leicester, but they didn't. But credit really, because with Leicester as well, um, Wilfred indeed he had to play at centre back. I thought he did he did well. He had to adjust to how how he plays. They've got a youngster by the name of James Justin that's really really come on quite a bit. Uh, he he's taken the place of Ricardo Pereira who was injured till October, so he's he's done well. And Vardy, like what the commentator says, he just just seems to to get better with age. He's one of those players really still got the hunger, still got the desire, still really wanting to win. So Leicester again, like last season, uh, Ross, we they, they started really well and we had a lot of optimism about them. What Brendan Rodgers has to do this season is make sure he cannot afford to have the fallout that he had 
post-COVID because we remember the huge lead that they had over Manchester United. Yeah. They were supposed to be in the Champions League. So yeah. he, his management style will come into play now to ensure that that doesn't happen again. But other than that, as a squad, really well all machine. And, and it's good that, like you said, James Madison was on the bench. Hamza Chowdhury was on the bench also. Yeah. And, and Harvey Barnes, I thought, was really unlucky not to score. Yeah. Harvey Barnes yeah. had, a, had a really good loan spell at West Brom a, yeah. a couple of years ago. So he was unlucky. So well all machine, but they just need to make sure it doesn't happen what the fallout from last season, that's the most important bit for them. Yeah, well, uh, Craig, for, for West Brom, it's all about whether they have the quality to survive. They've only spent $28 million, uh, in the off-season. Uh, two of the players signed were just basically making them permanent after being on loan, Pereira and Grady Diagana. Callum Robinson was the other one they spent money on. Uh, a lot of hope on, on the, this front three, but they managed a measly one shot on target in the whole game. They're going to struggle. I mean, already it looks like West Brom and Fulham. It, it does a little bit. I mean, it, it's always dangerous to draw too many conclusions from the opening day of the season. But, but... you can tell quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the word you used was quality and I think it's exactly the right word. And when I look at that West Brom squad overall, it is difficult to see that there's enough quality in that to really really survive and, and make an impact at this level. And I, I think I treat Leeds as a little bit of anomaly, to be honest, partly because of Bielsa, partly because they have a little bit of money to spend, you know, some of the heritage of that club. But when, when we look at the gap between the Premier League and the Championship, it's easy, it is a big gap. You know, it, it is not an easy thing to do to come up and adjust and really compete at that level straight away, especially if you're not going to make a lot of investment. And I think we saw that in the Fulham game. We definitely saw it in the, the West Brom game where, I felt Leicester played well, but it really was a very comfortable evening for them. It wasn't, you know, they didn't have to exert themselves that much in order to win in, in the way that they did. I mean, I'm a big fan of Slavin Bilic. I think he's, uh, you know, he's got, the, he's got a good attitude as a manager. He likes to send his teams out to, to play the right way. He'll, he'll try and be attacking, but he's going to have to find a balance to, to actually pick up some points in, in the league to really just tighten them up a little bit and make sure that they're not as easy to get through and as easy to beat as, as they looked the other night. And I mean, that same goes for Fulham. So the question is, can they bring in a little bit more quality before the window closes? Or can, can those managers really earn their money on the, on the training ground and, and make those teams more difficult to beat? Okay, going into the break, I ask, who thinks Leicester will improve on their top six from last season? Well, uh, top five, wasn't Don't they finish fit? Well, well, that was their highest finish apart from winning, winning the it, yeah. they've, they've ever had. So, and, so and, will they know, improve then, on that? I mean, top four, that's the only way. Champions League. I don't think so. Yeah, that the rest are quiet. That says everything. No, no oh. it's mostly from improvement elsewhere rather than... Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point, good point. Okay, then, final break. Uh, still got two games to talk about for the opening Premier League weekend. Stay tuned. Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair in a fairer fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Captain, leader, legend. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Back with Cam, Arvin and Craig. Um, talking about money back Chelsea in a few moments, but uh, two games still. Uh, they're happening tonight, 1am. I think I can catch this one. Uh, Sheffield United against Wolves. I may fall asleep at halftime. It's always the case. Half times the hardest. <laughs> uh, Sheffield United surprised everyone last season. Uh, they, they did remarkably 
well, uh, could have even ended up in, in Europe. Um, it's going to be a lot tougher this season. Teams have sussed them out. Um, how do you, Cam, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, before we, we come up with team news, how do you think Sheffield United will, will do this season? Um, you know, sometimes teams uh, do, do very well and we, we uh, underplay how well they've done. And we expect them to hit those marks again. We talked about Leicester just now. Uh, Sheffield United, if, even if they're down the bottom and they're struggling and it's, uh, it's uh, struggling to stay in the league, you can never take away what they did before. Uh, Wolves, for me, on the other hand, I would see them as a top four finisher. But Sheffield mm-hmm. United uh, could struggle, but there are a lot of teams that would be a lot worse than them, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so far, at least Fulham and, and West Brom. Oh, for from. sure. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, team news for, for Sheffield United. Sander Berger uh, sustained a knee problem whilst on international duty with Norway, so he might miss out. They've got summer signings. Aaron Ramsdale in between the sticks now instead of Dean Henderson. Jaden Bugle, Max Lowe, Ollie Burke, and uh, Loney Ethan Ampadu could all be involved for Sheffield United. Uh, looking at Wolves now... Uh, Arvin, the big thing about Wolves this season is that they've lost Matt Doherty. I understand Adama Traore has been penned in for that wing-back role for this season. Does that, does that detract anything from the Adama Traore we, we all know? Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, he is someone who uh, is Adamatra is such an explosive player. He's an explosive player based on what he does on the pitch. He's an explosive player based on the photos of we seeing him getting oiled up and his muscles and all that, looking like a <laughs> looking like a WWE. He he wouldn't he wouldn't look out of place in a WWE ring to be honest. But really, um, they they've lost both their both their their fullbacks for 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 Wolves. Johnny is injured. Matt Doherty is gone. Uh, they've they've signed Bettina, and I know they've they've broken their transfer record with a very young chap, yeah, uh, exactly. Fabio, Fab, Fabio, Fabio Silva. Silva. Yeah. Fabio Silva, yeah. But really, uh, there are some upsides. Connor Cody for me has has developed into such a quality centre back. I wouldn't be surprised. Another season that Connor Cody has with Wolves this season, like he did last season, yeah. a top four club is going to come and pick him up because he is absolute quality. He's a real leader at the back. But yeah, Adama Traore putting him at right back, it's going to take away a little bit of what he brings offensively. But mm. we saw that a lot last season because Nuno yeah. Espirito Santo, who has also signed a new contract yeah. with them, by the way. Um, that's the biggest signing, Wolves, of the season. That's the biggest signing, yeah. Nuno didn't really start Adama that often. He always no. felt the need to yeah. bring him off the bench because he's so unpredictable. So, again, unpredictability, it'll be quite interesting to see how he does in that right-back slot. But it'll take away a little bit of what he does offensively. Sure. All right. Um, Sheffield United have, have not lost an opening day in the Premier League season so far, amazingly. They've won two and drawn two of their opening, four opening day fixtures so far. It's a 1 a.m. kickoff, early Tuesday morning, that one Sheffield United against Wolves. And if you can make it to 3.15, I might record this one because it has to be watched. Uh, Brighton against Chelsea. Uh, Moneybags Chelsea, we have to start with them. Craig Wilkie, um, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner in line to make their debuts. I understand Hakim Ziyech and Ben Chilwell are injured. Thiago Silva is lacking match fitness. You've also got Christian Pulisic, who's back from injury. Chelsea look top-heavy 
at the moment, but it could be fun. It could be a fun season. Oh, I think it could be very fun. I, you know, you get to the opening weekend of a season and it's, it's so exciting, partly because there's so many questions about so many teams, you know, new players coming in and so on. And I, I mean, when you, when you look at Chelsea, it's just, you wonder how Lampard is going to set them up. You wonder how those players are going to, are going to fit into that way that he wants to play. You wonder what the balance is going to be between, you know, all out attack and defensive. You wonder what the balance is going to be in terms of some of the youngsters that he played with last season. Will there still be spots available for them? Uh, it's, yeah, I think probably of, of all the teams, I'm most looking forward to see how Chelsea start. I mean, I don't know that we'll be able to tell all that much from this first game. As you mentioned, a lot of those players might still be out or maybe on the bench to begin with. But once it settles down after a few weeks, we'll, we'll really get to see how close to the finished product Chelsea are with this investment and how likely contenders they might be. And I think I, I'm quite impressed by Lampard because he came in last season, did a good job in his, his first season. And a lot of people said, oh, well, maybe you've got a, a bit of a free pass because, you know, the transfer ban, bringing in the kids, not so much pressure on you. But to be fair to him, he said, no, no, I, I put more pressure on myself. You know, I, I came here, here to win things. Mm. And even now he said, you know, I've spent a lot of money. I accept the pressure that comes with that. And I'm not here to make up the numbers. You know, I'm not thinking about qualifying for the Champions League. I want this team to be competitive. I want this team to be challenging for the league. So he's taking that pressure on himself. He's, ta- he's trying to put that pressure on his players. So he's, he's set the standards and the expectations. So let's just see how far they can live up to it. Brave words from Frank Lampard. But, but Cam Raslan, when you've got a, a Russian oligarch watching over you and, and he spent 200 odd million of his money for you to, to bring players in, You've only got till probably December before he's, he's, he's trigger happy and itchy fingers. I think it could be a, I think it could be a complete disaster this season for Chelsea. But it's a big gamble, no matter how you look at it, right? The amount of players he's brought in. Because they did have a young core, a, a good core of young English players in there as well. Yeah, but well, last season they had one of the an appalling goals against. Um, uh, they were like, Something like eighth. They should have been eighth or something in the league. But they, uh, they're going to be playing Kevin Keegan football. They're going to score more goals than the other side. But I think other teams are going to be really smelling blood in the water here. If you, if you defend well and you, attack, you know, counterattack well, you're going to beat Chelsea because mm. they, their defense is appalling. And they have no, they have no thought for defense. And I don't think... I was never really a big fan of uh, Lampard as a player. It's a terrible thing to say. Uh, <laughs> he never, midfield... never fitted with Gerrard in the England midfield. I don't understand. No, because he was just a midfielder who popped up and scored far too many goals. He, he, <laughs> he, was, he was not an attacker. It's a terrible thing to do. And, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, but because he, he wasn't doing any of the jobs he should have been doing. And I think that's, that his Chelsea is in that mould. Okay. Uh, okay. So I, I think it could be a disaster this season. All right. Um, Pressure it is, is on Frank Lampard and, and Chelsea. Um, we, we'll look a little bit at Brighton now, Arvin. Um, they were good last season under Graham Potter, uh, charged with bringing a more expansive style of play. Uh, he has done that. Brighton did survive the drop. They've now added Adam Lalana, which could be a, a clever signing because he's a, he's a clever little player. And, and he could fit into this Brighton. He could be a good tip for fantasy Premier League as well. 
You can. I, I believe he's ranked. He's ranked at six point five. So a little bit, little bit on the costly side for that level. If it was Adam five, Lallana, I'd have him straight away. Yeah, if it was five. I'd have him as well. But I, with Adam, Adam Lallana, it's always been a, a scenario. Of, can he? Can he keep fit? Can he be fit for for a sustained period of time? Because he's had injuries for the last couple of years. But he, he's still a quality player on his day. He, interestingly enough, he's replaced uh, Aaron Moy, who's actually departed and moved on. Uh, but yeah, last season, uh, highest ever finish for Graham Porter, fifteenth. Uh, surprisingly. I remember last season, a lot of their defensive players popped up with the goals. You know, the Adam Websters, the Lewis yeah. Dunks, they, they got the goals. They, they, the Neil Maupais of this world didn't provide enough for Brighton, which is, is a concern. But this season, uh, they've got the impressive Ben White back, who I thought did extremely well for Leeds last season. Yeah. Uh, they've decided to keep it on. They've got a Chelsea Loney, a Chelsea graduate as well, in Tarek Lampati, the right back. Yeah. So, really, yeah. Um, it'll, I, I think they will be there, thereabouts, but it's still... Uh, Graham Potter needs to do a little bit more. And I know I've always, I always debate with Keish on this. He's a big Graham Potter fan. But for me, Graham Potter uh, brings a little bit of progressiveness in his football, but the output just doesn't justify that. And it's he needs to solidify the season. He, he needs to listen. He definitely exactly, exactly. And a lot will depend on what he does. He's got a lot of centre-backs. But Shane Duffy is left and gone to Celtic. So maybe that kind of balances it out. But uh, I'm against Cam on the, the Chelsea bit. I think Chelsea is going to do well. I think, honestly, uh, when you've got the likes of Timo Werner and Kai Havertz, it's very seldom that you do poorly. And they've reinforced left-back Ben Chilwell will tighten them up. Thiago Silva can still do it. So I believe that, that Chelsea... Will will do will do better than last season, and he still kept quite a young core. If you look on the right side of that team, they've got Reese James who will start at right back. Callum Hudson-Odoi will play yeah. at right midfield. So he's trying to fit fit a balance. So I feel Chelsea is going to do better than last season. For me. All right, brilliant stuff. Brighton versus Chelsea is a three fifteen a.m. kickoff on Tuesday. Just very quickly, you've got the EFL Cup round two happening uh, Wednesday and Thursday morning, our time. I'll just run through some of the ties here, Craig Wilkie. Uh, Newcastle against Blackburn Rovers. West Ham against Charlton Athletic. Burton Albion against Aston Villa. Which one of those is a banana skin for you? Villa West Ham. haven't played and I have not even been in Premier League action yet. West Ham for me. You know, you already you've got <laughs> exactly. you, you've got you've got a team that's that's low on confidence already from how they finished the season last time. Haven't started well on the opening day weekend. There's already, like I said before, that that just that atmosphere around the club already feeling a bit of pressure. So the last thing you want is a cup tie whereby you know it's a bit of a, a banana skin potentially. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if West Ham slipped up there. Bournemouth take on Crystal Palace. Uh, you've got West Brom against Harrogate Town. I love ties like that. <laughs> Ipswich against Fulham. Uh, Fulham need a good display to, to hope that it carries on. Uh, Arvin, Leeds United against Hull City. Are we going to see the same kind of Premier League lineup or is he going to tinker and, and give the other guys a run out? Uh, not much, Bielsa. He works the very very settled lineup. I expect Rodrigo to start instead of Patrick Bamford. Okay. That could be one start that he would make. He wouldn't rest. He wouldn't risk Pablo Hernandez because Pablo Hernandez is an age where he cannot be playing a Premier League game on the weekend and a Carabao Cup game in the middle. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't put put too much of changes for that squad. But interestingly enough, Yorkshire derby, Leeds versus Hull. That was the game that I went last season. And we won. So cross fingers, we would we do it again. <laughs> Southampton against. I thought Bamford had a great game at the weekend. He and did. He a lot did. Of, a lot of speculation about could he lead the line in the Premier League. Yeah. And he gave. Yeah. I know we, we said Van Dyke was a little bit complacent, but he gave Van Dyke a hard time in that game. 
He did, yeah, he'll he, work. A, he'll work a lot, Bamford. It's just the conversion rate. But if he can continues the way he did on the pre, on, on the weekend, I think he'll have a very good season as well. All right. Elsewhere, you've got Southampton against Brentford, Everton against Salford City, owned by Paul Scholes, Gary Neville, and Co. Uh, Wolves against Stoke, Brighton against Portsmouth, and then on Friday morning, Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, Lokomotiv Plovdiv against Tottenham Hotspur is a Europa oh. League player. Oh, okay. <laughs> where where a, are Plovdiv that's from? That's an interesting... Uh, uh, Cam? What? I where thought you were talking about from? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. All right, listen, we're out of time. So I'm going to have to say uh, very quickly, thank you, Cam Razlan. Thank you. Thank you to Arvin Sidhu. Okay, everyone, have a good week ahead. And uh, Craig Wilkie as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, have a great week, everybody. We'll be back on Friday to talk about all the midweek action. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs> Off the ball every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.